Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And I have a special guest with me. I have from the New Orleans Advocate and Times Picayune, I have Luke Johnson. What's going on, Luke? Hey, TJ, I'm doing great, man. How you doing? I'm doing just fine, man. I'm ready to talk some Saints football. So a lot of uh, storylines going around training camp. So just want to get your take on it. Uh, but first, I, I want to ask you about a, a story that just came out. Uh, it was about Saints owner Gail Benson. Uh, she was diagnosed with COVID-19. Uh, I just wanted to know, uh, how is Miss Benson doing? And um, have you what have you heard from the, the whole uh, whole story? Well, everything we've heard right now is that uh, she didn't need to be hospitalized. Uh, she's recovering at home. Um, she's doing fairly well from what we hear. She's on on uh, meetings with the, the NFL owners and the NBA owners, uh, still working. So if she's still working, she's got to be doing all right. Uh, but, you know, it, it is a big deal. And it is a thing that um, that is completely unique to 2020, where uh, they've got to they've got to be very careful around around people like Gail Benson, because uh, you know, at, at her age, she's much more susceptible to, to this being a very serious thing for right. her health. Right. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it's obviously something to keep an eye on, but from all, every, every indication that we have so far is that she's, uh, she's in, in good shape and, uh, and you know, managing this thing as well as she can. Yeah. I mean, everybody, you know, is concerned about Gail Benson anytime, you know, she, you know, uh, get sick or anything that happens with her. I mean, who that nation love Gail Benson. Uh, I mean, the things that she does in the community, you know, the money that she has donated, you know, to all these charitable causes. And uh, most importantly, we're just uh, concerned about her health. So, I mean, it's good that she's still doing uh, things, you know, uh, due to the fact that she, uh, you know, uh, has COVID-19. So I just want to keep an eye on that and make sure that she's fine. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on. Um the uh the practice that took place on uh yesterday uh we had the saints players uh they they paid tribute to uh uh to the the guy out in uh wisconsin that was uh gun well gunned down by law enforcement uh jacob blake uh, all of the players wore his name on the on the front of their helmets uh i, I was just wondering like where was there any talk uh of the New Orleans Saints possibly not having practice on yesterday. Uh, I know a couple of teams, I think maybe nine, uh, decided not to have practice. So uh, was there any talk uh, of the New Orleans Saints possibly canceling practice like the other nine teams? Everybody we talked to said they were they were not uh, discussing that. That wasn't an option for them. Um, uh, but I don't think necessarily that we've seen the last of, of them uh, using their their voice and and their ideas to uh, to kind of keep uh, this discussion on the forefront, like they did with the Jacob Blake stickers on their helmets. Right. I think they're they're going to be planning other stuff, and I think they'll they'll be debuting other stuff later. And I, I just don't think that their their form of protest includes uh, not being out there on the football field. And it's you know I, I think it's you're seeing this all across the the sports world. It's not just football teams doing this. Obviously, right. the Milwaukee Bucks. Right. Uh, uh, boycotted or, or striked from from playing their playoff game, and a bunch of Major League Baseball teams have done the same. Right. Uh, football teams have, have not gone out there for practice, so I, I think uh, just the understanding is that in this day and age we're in, um, there's there's no incentive to just be quiet. If you right. have something you want to say, and you have the the platform of being a professional athlete, you're, you're going to say it. Right. I, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. 
And um, Luke, uh, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think you are from the state of Wisconsin. Am I correct? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, um, what about uh, you? Have you heard um, from any of your family members or friends or anything like that about, uh, you know, just the state of Wisconsin as a whole and uh, maybe some of the maybe protesting or something like that they may be having around the area? And um, uh, you know, I, I haven't heard any, from anybody personally, just the, you know, the, the Kenosha area is uh, you know, probably closer to Chicago than it is to, to where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that said, uh, you know, I think um, I think there's an understanding up there uh, that um, it, this this sort of thing can happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it can happen in, in communities like Kenosha or uh, communities like Ferguson or uh, wherever. Um, and I think this is you know, for, for people who maybe didn't understand that this is really bringing that to light. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, shouts out to the New Orleans Saints, you know, uh, using their their platform to actually, you know, bring light to uh, uh, Jacob Blake and also just to pay tribute to him. Uh, but let's go ahead and start, uh, talk a little bit about training camp, some of the storylines we have. Uh, I want to start with uh, Patrick Robinson. Um, he has been one of the bright spots of, of training camp. Uh, you know, Patrick Robinson, I mean, he was drafted by the Saints back in 2010. Uh, he had some ups and downs in the Saints uniform. And he leads the New Orleans Saints, uh, goes to San Diego, who, who is now Los Angeles. And he also went to Philadelphia, where uh, he was ranked one of the best nickel corners in all of football. I think he was ranked number one uh, the year where the Philadelphia Eagles actually won the Super Bowl. And now he's back for a second time with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, what has Patrick Robinson been doing in camp and, uh, to stand out? And uh, is do you think that he will be able to take what he's doing in camp and maybe, uh, you know, go out on the field this 2020 season and make an impact? Well, I think first and foremost, the most important thing with, with P-Rob is that he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, ever since when, when he re-signed in New Orleans, there's a lot of enthusiasm about him because he yeah. was coming off such a strong season with, with Philly. Right. Um, and, you know, he only, I think he only made it four games before he had that season-ending ankle injury against, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was Atlanta in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, so, since then, he hasn't really looked like the kind of player that they were anticipating they were going to get when they signed him. Uh, right. he's, just, he's either been hurt or ineffective. They've moved uh, uh, PJ Williams to that nickel spot, and he's mm-hmm. kind of taken that the lead there. Right. Um, but this training camp, I, I mean, he's he's getting his hands on balls. He's intercepting a bunch of pass. I, I, I think I've had him down with three interceptions, and, wow. and probably another one that he should have had. Mm-hmm. He dropped. Um, he, he's playing really well. Um, I, I don't know exactly what that means yet. I, I don't know if that means he's taking over for, for P.J. Williams, if they're going to kind of use P.J. Williams a, a little bit like they used uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson last year and move him around to get, to get P-Rob on the field. But uh, he's, I think he's going to find a spot on the field. And right. um, I, I think they're, in general, their defensive secondary is really strong. Um, just with Marshawn and uh, Jack Rabbit. Malcolm Jenkins, I think Marcus Williams is uh, is underrated because a, a lot of people you know, want to bring up the tackling failures, but I think he's right. he's a pretty good coverage player. Yeah. Um, CJ Gardner Johnson is really good. Uh, yeah, they just I think they're they're pretty well stacked there. Um, so yeah, that's that's a good thing. And and for guys like P. Rob, who's having a really good training camp, it's still you know, you're having a good camp, and and it's still gonna be tough for him to get on the field. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Patrick Robinson did a, a really good job, like towards the end uh, of the uh, 2019 season. I mean, yeah. I mean, I can remember the game against the Tennessee Titans. That probably was his best game back in a Saints uniform. And uh, you know, even though you know that pass that happened a wild card uh, round, that wasn't his strong point. You know, he was playing that uh, on the outside, and you know, he doesn't really do much damage on the outside. He does. Uh, most of his damage in the nickel and uh I'm, I'm interested to see like some of the things that i'm hearing from you um you all writing uh about him hopefully we actually see that on the field you know and, and him making some splash plays because i mean the saints did uh pay him uh, a good amount of money for him to uh, come back to this organization to make an impact uh, they did they did they did they, they did re uh redo his deal though so he's so he's not making quite as much as he was when they first brought him in right which is yeah, he was probably making too much of that at that stage. Yeah, when yeah. He'd been given the team, but um, but yeah, I, I think still, um, from what we've seen so far, he doesn't look like the same player we saw in uh, 2018 or 2019. I, I, I think that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking forward to seeing what he can do. You know, I, I know what he he's capable of. I mean, like I said, we've seen it out in Philadelphia, and if we can get. Uh, that Patrick Robinson in the rotation or even on the field, I think the Saints uh, have a, a threat in the secondary. Uh, let's talk about someone that really doesn't get that much attention in the secondary, and uh, he's a really good player. That's DJ Swearinger. Uh, DJ Swearinger is one of those guys uh, everywhere he went, rather it was Washington, Arizona, he's always made an impact. Uh, what have you seen or heard from a uh, training camp in regards to uh, DJ Swearinger, and uh, do you think they're – is a spot for him in the secondary this season? I think so. Um, the The hard part to gauge is is how much they value his veteran leadership back there and knowing you can count on that guy to, to be on the field and to make plays right. versus having a younger, cheaper player who's going to play special teams. Right. Um, so, like, I, I think when you're looking at, at whether or not you keep DJ Swearinger, you're like, okay, well, do we keep DJ Swearinger or Saquon Hampton, who's a younger player with maybe more, more upside long-term right. who you've got controllable for the next two years at right. $600,000. Right. So I, that's, that's really what it kind of boils down to for me. Uh, but I think they clearly like him. Hmm. And with Malcolm Jenkins has been out the last couple of days, uh, Swearinger's been filling in at, at, at the starting safety with the with the ones, mm-hmm. and he's looked pretty good. He picked off Drew Brees in practice uh, today, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we we see him out there, and the guys obviously played a ton, a ton right. of football. Right. And you see him out there like directing guys. Mm-hmm. You go here, you go here. This is what's coming, and right. it works. Like they they understand him and listen to him, and he's kind of um, he's kind of like the Malcolm Jenkins of the second unit. You wow. know? Um, just so in terms of like understanding what's going on right. and communicating what's going on. So I, I think that's valuable. Yeah. But when you're, you're looking at how you, you fit 53 players together um, and what your backup strong safety needs to do. Um, yeah. It, it, I don't think, I don't think he's a lock to make the roster, even though I think you like him. Yeah. You know, the thing about DJ Swearinger, Luke, is, I mean, he's a really good safety. The only issue uh, that has plagued him is injury. You know, I mean, he's a, one of those guys that that is a ball hawk. I can remember him, like, it seemed like every time the Saints play uh, against a team that he plays uh, for, 
he always intercepts Drew Brees. Like he, the Redskins game, I think when they played the Texans, I think he was playing for him. He intercepted him. So yeah, I mean, it's, re- he, he's it's really, really funny. It's really yeah. funny you bring that up because like like we have we have like a this archive of photos, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember when he got signed last year. Uh, you know, we 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 figure out he's getting signed, and and right. we write the story, and we look for a photo, and we type in DJ Swearinger, and there's like five pictures of him like intercepting Drew Brees yeah. <laughs> in the archive. You know, it's just, and, and like all these different uniforms. So, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's true. It's true. Yeah, I'm sorry for interrupting though. No, nah, no, nah, Luke is fine. I mean, but I'm just saying, like, he's a very instinctive uh, safety. I mean, I've always liked him. I mean, he's a hard hitting safety. Uh, he's not one of those guys that's afraid to uh, get his. Uh, get his helmet in there, you know, put it on somebody, uh, you know, chest. He's not afraid of it at all. You know what I'm saying? But he's a, he's a big physical guy, but injuries has always uh, been one of the issues why teams uh, seem to just let him go so easily. Uh, let's move on and talk a little bit about Alvin Kamara. Um, he's been out of practice for the last, uh, you know, couple of days uh, he was dealing with uh, stomach issues and, uh, we understand that, uh, but you know, a lot of people know who that nation for some apparent reason. I don't know, they think that Alvin Kamara fell off a cliff all of a sudden, you know, just because he uh got injured this 2019 season. Uh, do you think this is going to be a bounce back year, uh, for Alvin Kamara? And, and do you believe that Alvin Kamara uh, could be one of those top three, top five running backs that when these lists come out, his name is just, I mean, a foregone conclusion? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, he's got to stay healthy, and I think that's, I think that's really the biggest, the biggest uh, like question mark with him, right? His ability is just off the charts when he's right. when he's healthy, um, and on top of that, he's in an offense that just absolutely knows how to use him. Right. Um, but look, we we saw for the first three games last year, he was unreal. Yeah. Like, if you go back and watch like the second half of the Houston game, like nobody could nobody could bring him down. And then you go watch it two weeks later against Seattle and he made a bunch of people who are very, very good football players like Bobby Wagner and others just look like fools trying to tackle him. He's he's so elusive and he's, he's got so much that he brings in offense. But when he's hurt and you take away a little bit of that, you you take off Superman's cape, he's just Clark Kent out there. He's he's just a, a really good football player, but he's not this like just, top of the level above head and shoulders above everybody else. So I think that's what people are are thinking about. That that was really like the last like 12 games he played last year. Um, He played hurt a lot and Saints asked him to play hurt and he did. Mm. And, you know, you you wonder if maybe he should have just sat out for five or six weeks and, and just been the player we're all kind of accustomed to seeing. Yeah, uh, but it would have been a really tough decision for him to do that because Drew was obviously out, and, and the team needed everybody they could have to to get through that stretch. Right. So, I, I mean, as long as he stays healthy, man, like I just there are so few players like him, and right. and uh, he can hurt you in so many ways. As you know, between the tackles, outside the tackles, as a receiver, as a deep ball receiver, like he's he's just so good, so good. Uh, yeah, look, I want to ask you about that. I mean, you you brought up a very interesting point about him uh, possibly sitting out a couple more weeks before he was, uh, well, I won't say fully healthy because, I mean, these guys aren't 100%, you know, especially like when they, you know, taking wear and tear over, over a few weeks. Uh, but Latavius Murray was playing at a pretty high level. I mean, I know, understand that Drew Brees was out, Teddy Bridgewater was in, 
But if you look at the games in which Latavius Murray was a starter, 109 yards rushing against the Chicago Bears defense. And I understand Akeem Hicks, he's the he's the guy in the middle, probably wouldn't, you know, have the same type of success. But nevertheless, this is still a Chicago Bears defense. You still have Roquan Smith. You still have Khalil Mack out there. He ran for 109 yards. And then he followed it up against Arizona and ran for another 102 yards. So I'm just wondering, like, do you think the Saints – uh, could have possibly used Latavius Murray more in the way that he was playing at such a high level. Do you feel like they should have rushed Alvin Kamara back? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think there's an argument to be made there. Uh, but then at the same time, it's I don't know how how well Latavius Murray is going to hold up if he's getting 25 touches a game yeah. every week, um, like he, like he was in those games. He was getting right. a lot of touches in those games. Right. Um, I think Latavius is a really good player. I think they should probably work them into the offense a little bit more this year than they did last year and maybe have something closer to, to like the, the sort of split that, that Alvin had with Mark Ingram. Right. Uh, yeah. I think that was like, if everybody remembers last year, that was like the big question going into the year was, was what's his workload? What's, right. what's Alvin Kamara's workload? Gonna yeah. Be? Yeah, I remember and, yeah. I think everybody was kind of expecting somewhere in between the 15 to 20 touch range and it ended up being, closer to 20 to 25. Um, I think you lose something with Alvin if you, if you just like overuse him. And I understand the tendency to want to like get there because he's so good. Right. But uh, I I think if you back off of him a little bit and feature Latavius Murray a little bit more, you're saving the reps on Alvin and you're getting Latavius Murray into a rhythm. And obviously when he got into a rhythm last year and got a lot of touches, he was really, really good. Yeah. I just think, I, I think it could work out to their benefit if they, if they kind of go that route and, mm-hmm. and pull back on Alvin a little bit and give Latavius a little bit more, more opportunity. Yeah. I just look at Latavius as almost like a, a preheat, uh, running back I call the you know those type of running backs preheat like a preheat oven you know you you press the button you put it on 375 you know it takes a while for it to warm up I, I, I look at him the same exact way like the more carries he get the stronger he gets I mean he I mean I've been watching him since he was out in Oakland he used to average between 20 to 25 carries out there in Oakland and that's the reason how he got signed by Minnesota you know and everybody's seen how good he was I just think that he's one of those guys that I mean for for I'll just say I think uh Alvin Kamara they said he had a torn MCL they said you know he supposed to set out maybe like six weeks I feel like even if he doesn't set out six weeks Latavius Murray the way he was playing and the way the offense was uh clicking um at that time between you know having balance between the, you know with Teddy Bridgewater with the play action and and nickel and dominant down the field and also the running game I feel like he could have gave you that type of success for at least about three to four weeks and gave Alvin Kamara another opportunity to possibly sit out, rehab a little bit more, and maybe have been further alone in the season than he actually um, ended up being because, I mean, you're still taking wear and tear, and who knows, I mean, you, the possibility of re-aggravating that injury you already have. So, I mean, I, that's the way I look at him. I, I feel like Mark Ingram was a preheat uh, running back, and I feel like Latavius was also one of those guys. So. Yeah, uh, big, big Bruce guy, man. You start you start having a defense try to try to take down a two hundred and thirty pound running back twenty times a game. Right. You know, right. I, I, <laughs> uh, I, I think that's there's absolutely something to that. 
Yeah, I mean, ask anybody in the AFC South, they have to tackle Derrick Henry Derrick every Henry. week. <laughs> but Although I will say Derrick Henry is a completely different animal, man. That oh, guy. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, I mean, unbelievable. Uh, but um, let's move on. Let's talk about Cam Jordan. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, you know, legendary quarterback Tom Brady uh, came out and said that he feels that uh, Cam Jordan is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. And uh, I think that's uh, – that's high praise coming from a guy, you know, who has six Super Bowls. Uh, in your opinion, Luke, uh, why is it that Cam Jordan constantly uh, gets snubbed? I mean, you never hear his name uh, when it comes to defensive player of the year. Um, you know, he it seems like he barely gets the recognition he deserves. Uh, I guess interviewing Cam Jordan, uh, uh, being around him, uh, what kind of mind frame does he have? Does he does it bother him or, uh, or does it? not bother him i mean what's what's the mind frame of cam jordan i'm sure it bothers him i'm sure it eats at him um cam is very aware of his standing uh and i think in a good way um yeah i don't think he's a selfish player but he's he wants to be considered one of the best players in the nfl and i think he's he's there yeah. um and you know it, talking to cam uh interviewing cam it doesn't make really any sense to me why he's not like this, this much bigger personality in the NFL because he's right. so outgoing. He's so gregarious. Yeah. I mean, the guy, <laughs> he guy spent all summer on like NFL network on, you know, ESPN yeah. on bleacher report doing all these interviews and, and like showing his personality, which is just, yeah. it's so fun. Right. Cam is, Cam is like one of the most fun athletes I've ever covered. No. So I, I don't really understand why, in that respect, why he's not like this bigger, like he's not on par with like JJ Watt or even Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is like a phenomenal football player. Yeah. Um, And, you know, maybe, maybe Aaron Donald's a better football player than Cam. But like, when you start thinking about like Aaron Donald as like a, it's like a charismatic individual and Cam is a charismatic individual. It's like Cam's up here. You know, I I just, I, I don't, I don't really get that. Uh, I get it from that perspective, but I will say that it probably doesn't hurt or doesn't help Cam that the Saints, in general, as an organization, since Sean Payton has been here, um, are really considered only a, as an offensive team. Yeah, like, that's their that's a reputation, hands down. And as good as the Saints' defense has been these last couple of years. Uh, much of the, the conversation nationally about the Saints is about Drew Brees and Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill and all these offensive players, right. um, despite the fact that Cam Jordan is, I think, ranks uh, among NFL players like number three or four in the last five years in sacks. Yep. Yep. Uh, above some guys who are considered you know, bigger names than him, Von Miller. Right. Uh, I think Cam's a better player than Von Miller, but Von Miller gets more – Pipe, pub, right. whatever. Um, so yeah, and, and I, I'm sure Cam very much appreciated hearing Tom Brady say that. And I'm sure when Week One rolls around and we talk to Cam about Tom Brady, he's going to be talking some smack on Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I agree. I mean, you get an opportunity, you know, to cover him and get a you know, front row seat of uh, who Cam Jordan is. You know, as far as you know his interviews and stuff like that. It's a three uh, ring circus sometimes, man. <laughs> I mean, just he just seems like an incredibly fun guy, and I I just don't understand. Like, I mean, he's he's never considered like for defensive player of the year. 
uh, well, yeah, 15 and a half sacks last season alone. I, and, and it seemed like he would trump by Shaq Barrett, who, I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't even make the playoffs. So yeah. I, I feel like, to me, I, I feel like he, he deserves uh, way more attention. And But I, I think you hit the nail on the head because when you li- look at undisputed, first take, if they're talking about the Saints, they're bringing up the offense and how much fire uh, power that they have. Uh, yeah, and I, I think they can, mm-hmm. I, like, I, I think they can turn that around, right? But the, you're talking about 15 years of of that being the relevant topic right. regarding right. New Orleans. I, right. I, Drew Brees and Sean Payton have been have been this franchise for since 2006. Right. So I, the Saints' defense has played really remarkably the last couple of years I, I, for as well as their, their offensive play. Usually like when teams are scoring a bunch of points and putting up a bunch of yards, like the Saints right. offense has been like right. the defensive numbers kind of struggle, but um, they, they've been the top 10 defense the last three years and yeah. they want to be a top five defense. And I think eventually they'll, they'll get their due. And I think another thing too, uh, Luke is the, the way that the Saints have been losing in the playoffs uh, is because of the defense. And, and I, I normally say this, it, it's like uh you know, if you have a 45 minute commute and um, you drive perfectly for about 44 minutes and 55 seconds and all of a sudden you hit a fire hydrant right on, on the block that you stay on. I mean, all of that great driving just completely negates, you know what I'm saying? The fact that you ran into the, you know, I mean, the fact that you ran into the fire hydrant, I mean, completely wipes it out. The Saints play really good defense during these games. But what's the one thing people remember? They remember the Minneapolis Miracle. They, they remember uh, P.J. Williams uh, getting a pass caught over him by Kyle Rudolph. You know, I mean, it, it's plays that involve the defense uh, have been like, I guess, the, the the woes of the New Orleans Saints over the past couple of years. So they're not going to get that attention until, uh, unfortunately, they be able to finish strong. And I think that's when people are going to start looking at them uh, for being a, a credible defense and, you know, in a respectable defense. Because, I mean, you brought up Vine uh, Miller. I mean, Von Miller was a Super Bowl MVP because he dominated that game um, against the Carolina Panthers. So, I mean, he has that going for him. Uh, I, I just wish that Cam Jordan, you know, would still get a little bit more recognition than uh, he's been getting in, from the national media. Uh, lastly, yeah. I, w- I want to ask you about uh, Cesar Ruiz. Uh, Cesar Ruiz and Eric McCoy have been uh, rotating from center to guard, uh, right guard. And uh, – what have you seen or heard from uh, about Cesar Ruiz? And uh, have you seen him, you know, kind of make some splash uh, in, in training camp? So I think it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough to like get a really good gauge for for where the uh, the offensive linemen are at right now, just because like our our vantage point for watching uh, for watching training camp is mm-hmm. is like right on the line. You can't really get a good idea of of these blocks because it's just like there's 20 guys <laughs> right uh, so like the only the only way we've really been able to see how we can do is like seeing them seeing them perform in some of these one-on-ones which are usually like at a far end of the field right it's like they're trying to the saints are trying to make sure i, I have no idea what the hell i'm talking about with an offensive line <laughs> uh, uh, I, I will say that like uh i think when you look at at ruiz he's clearly like a very good athlete mm-hmm. in an offensive lineman's body Right. Uh, he's got really, really quick feet. Um, you know, they do these these drills where they're just like setting up for their punch. He's mm-hmm. got a really strong punch. Um, I, I think he looks a lot like Eric McCoy, uh, wow. maybe a little bit, a little bit uh, more athletic 
and Eric McCoy. And Eric mm. McCoy is a pretty athletic offensive mm. lineman too. Mm. Um, so I don't know yet uh, exactly how they're going to roll this out. I, I think it it works in McCoy's favor that he, he played 16 games at center last year and he missed like five snaps all year uh, when it comes to playing center again because he's he's got that built-in like institutional knowledge that Ruiz just doesn't have and didn't get right. with no preseason games and whatnot. Point. So I, I think that works that works to McCoy's favor playing center, but I, I think ultimately that that position goes through Ruiz. Uh, and McCoy is their the right guard. And I I just think the the two players are are very very similar. Um, so I, I don't think there's going to be a big drop off one way or another. Yeah, I just think about the growing pains that Caesar Ruiz would have to go uh, go through. Because I mean, I talked to Mike Triplett a, a couple of weeks ago. He was on a show and he was talking about uh, when Eric McCoy first uh, got his first snaps at center. <laughs> And he was supposed to snap the ball and everybody is running up the field and he's standing right there still right. holding a football. And I mean, and he had OTAs and he had mini camp and rookie camp and he and he still was dealing with those type of situations. Games. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I only can imagine uh, what Cesar Ruiz is going through right now. Uh, I mean, I understand that the Saints are rotating them, but I'm pretty sure if, you know, if I, I'm a betting man, I would think that he's going to be playing right guard at the start of the season, even if the Saints decide to transition him from right guard to center later on in the season. But I think he's going to start there. Like you said, Eric McCoy, I mean, he he, pray, he played pretty solid uh, last season. So I don't think uh, you want to, you know, mess with that just just yet. But um, I definitely feel like Cesar Ruiz, I mean, watching him in college, uh, knowing what he's capable of, I mean, I think the, the Saints have found the guy that, they feel can be the next uh, Max Unger, you know. So they've been looking for him for quite some time. Uh, well, they've got look. They've they've invested so many resources in the offensive line. It's it's crazy. You, right. you look at it left to right. I mean, Theron Armstead was a, a third round pick that they hit on, but they they signed him to a huge deal. Yeah. And then Andres Pete was a first round pick that they just signed to a huge deal. Right. Cesar Ruiz is a first round pick. Eric McCoy is a second round pick. Ryan Ramchick's a first round pick. Yeah. you know that's <laughs> four out of your five or first or second round picks yeah uh and all five are are homegrown yeah you know that's that's uh that's how you build a, a winning football program is yep. is just dominating on the offensive and defensive lines and taking mm-hmm. care of those guys and that's that's exactly why i think the saints have been in the position they've been in the last couple of years yeah mm-hmm. like Obviously, you need good players at quarterback. Like that's that's the most important thing, right? But like right. you have Drew Brees, and you have guys like Alvin Kamara. You protect Drew Brees, and you open holes for Alvin Kamara so they can do their thing. That's exactly right. what he's done. I mean, well, if you're a fan of uh, the philosophy of John Madden, I mean, John Madden says that you build your team by the offensive line. I mean, there's the, this great debate between him and Al Davis, and Al Davis felt like you build your team through your secondary, and John Madden felt like you built it through the offensive line. So if you're if you are a John Madden philosopher, uh, you know, <laughs> you believe in his philosophy, uh, you feel like the offensive line, the way the Saints are building the team, uh, they're actually building it, I mean, for life after Drew Brees. Because, I mean, the fact is a young quarterback is going to have to come in. He's going to have to learn. And, I mean, a, a young quarterback best friend is a good defense and a running game. So, I mean, in order for you to have a successful running game, you have to have a good offensive line. And uh, I think that – uh, you talked about Andrews Pete getting paid to Ryan Armstead. You know Ryan Ramchek is is going to get paid. I mean, he's going to be the high one of the highest paid 
uh, right tackles in football. And it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't become the highest uh, right should, tackle paid. Be, yeah. be breaking a record for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, uh, final question for you, Luke. Um, what are you what are you looking for this season? What player do you have your eye on uh, this season? Uh, what And what do you expect from this player? So like the, the one I'm like most interested in seeing is Emmanuel Sanders. I, mm. I feel like that's just been a piece that's been missing in this offense for the last three years. Yeah. Um, I loved having Ted Ginn around. Ted Ginn was like a great person to talk to. Mm. Uh, and I think he played a, he played an important role, uh, especially in that 2017 season, his first year here. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think he's the caliber of player as, as Emmanuel Sanders is. Right. And Sanders is the type of player who you can, you can build like a, a whole set of plays for. You can mm. put him on the inside, you can put him on the outside, you can have him run all these different routes. You couldn't really do that with Ted Ginn. Like you could, right. you could like use Ted Ginn's speed on an end around or use Ted Ginn's speed on, on the deep ball, the shot plays, but that's about, that's about it. Right. Um, I think Emmanuel Sanders just opens the doors up. Right. And it, it's, he opens the doors up from a, a wide receiver position. Like you already had Alvin Kamara doing that from running back. And I think Jared Cook was very much that guy last year for them right. opening the door up where you could just like take the top off from the seam. Um, but Sanders gives you a completely different element from that wide receiver position outside of Mike Thomas. Um, so I, I don't think he's going to be a guy that goes out and catches 100 balls. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think he's a guy that's going to go catch 60 balls. And right. there, a lot of them are going to be like big, huge plays and right. uh, game-changing type of plays. Because uh, teams are going to try to take away Mike Thomas, and it's really going to backfire on him this year. Um, yeah. But – I, I say that just because, like, yeah, I think he's the one I'm like most excited to see out of all the new guys. Right. But the season is is absolutely, totally, always dependent on number nine. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, he's he's 41. Um, yeah. I think he looks he looks very much like Drew Brees right now, which is a good wow. thing. Yeah, um, that's good to hear. But it's it's always at this stage of his career, it's always something you gotta watch. You gotta just watch for it, um, yeah. because. Um, you know, we've, we've seen it just in the past with, with any player, it doesn't matter whether you're a quarterback or, or whatever, but any yeah. player, it's like once, once you hit that, once you hit that, that point, um, your, your game just leaves you. Peyton Manning was a shell of himself in his last year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, it's just, I, I think as long as Drew Brees is still playing, I'm just going to be just watching him very closely and. Yeah, you know, say I think he's he's the type of guy who will who will hang it up before he ever gets to that. Uh, yeah. But I think you gotta you gotta watch him for it anyways. Yeah, I mean, as long as you got Drew Brees on the field, I mean, you have an opportunity to win. Uh, you know, I think that uh, you know Drew Brees in the month of December last uh, last year he had 15 touchdowns, one interception. I mean, he was playing at a pretty high level. Uh, and I feel like he he still has something left in the tank. I, I, I honestly believe, like, if Drew Brees felt like he left it all on the field in that game uh, versus the Vikings and that's all he had to give at that time, uh, he would have hung it up. And I, I really think, you know, I know a lot of people think it's, it's tongue-in-cheek about um, him deciding if he wanted to retire or not. I don't. Uh, I really felt like he, he really thought that through and, and maybe thought about, you know, not coming back, you know, to the Saints organization. But – we're glad to have him back, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing number nine do his thing 
as well as uh, all the other players that are part of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Luke Johnson, thank you very much for being a part of the State of the Saints podcast. And uh, before you go, just let everybody know how they can get in touch with you. Yep, uh, you can get in touch with me just like TJ did on uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm at by Luke Johnson. You can read all my stuff at NOLA.com. All right. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, once again, uh, Luke Johnson from New Orleans Advocate and Times Picayune. Uh, we really do appreciate it.